Welcome back to the Mars HQ Podcast. This is episode number eight. Here with Ryan Schlesinger as my co-host on SoFlow Sports. We got uh, some good stuff to get into today. As the Miami Marlins have just finished up an 11-0 win over the Toronto Blue Jays. A very big convincer indeed. And let's talk about how I said in an earlier show that the team was going to take all three from the Royals, going to take two from the White Sox, one from the Mariners, and sweep the Nationals, and that exactly happened. So, Mr. Schlesinger, how how do you feel about the team's performances over the past week? Yeah, it's been very intriguing from the Miami Marlins and what they've been able to do over the past week. I mean, you mentioned, of course, the sleep, uh, this three-game sweep over the Nationals this previous weekend. And then they did lose two out of three to the Mariners, but we knew that was going to be a tough series for them out of the gate. And then if you go back to the very beginning of that road trip that they're just uh, coming back from, uh, the Chicago White Sox, they won two out of three in that series. Could have swept the series. They could have also been swept. That's how close all three games were. But the team has been playing amazing. I mean, the bats, it just feels like a lot more consistent hitting. Even though sometimes they do strand base runners, it feels like there's consistent traffic on the base pass. And when you're able to consistently get some traffic on the base pass, eventually you're going to mo- knock some of them in. And that's what the Marlins have been doing. Uh, the pitching has been amazing. And, you know, all the people are saying the Marlins run differential is bad. It's terrible. This means that the Marlins are going to be inconsistent and they're going to fall off at the end of the year. Their run differential is now only negative 13, which isn't terrible. It's not like crazy bad. It, yes, it kind of is bad for uh, a 42-31 and 31 team, where I would kind of rephrase that to maybe a little weird or odd. But I think they def- if they keep playing like this, their run differential is going to be positive uh, by the end of the season if they keep playing this way. So there, there, there's no excuse or no reason to say that the Marlins aren't legit now because their run differential isn't god-awful anymore. And they've proved that the run differential for them really doesn't mean anything. And I think Marlins fans have known that since day one that it doesn't affect how they play. It's just they win a lot of close games, and sometimes when they lose, they lose in blowout fashion. That's just the kind of team they are. Looking at tonight's game, it was more of a bullpen game for the Marlins. And the win coming to Huskar Brazobam, who is pitching well this season, 3.79 year rate with 40 strikeouts for the Marlins, and some hitting is what was needed, and some hitting is what the Marlins got. Jorge Soler hit a nice home run tonight, the only home run coming for the Miami Marlins. Luis Arias went 5-for-5, five five, keeping up with this uh, immaculate season, hitting exactly 400 right now, in fact, and the 11-0 win is very convincing if you're if you are a Marlins fan, the catching position is one that you've been seeing uh, platoon with Jacob Stallings and Nick Fortes. Stallings went one for three tonight in 11-0 victory. Does that scare you in any way, Ryan? No, it doesn't scare me at all. I mean, Stallings, he's been hitting awful. So, if anything, I wouldn't say scary, uh, scaring me. It's just more like showing me that Stallings, even in games where – the team isn't going to hit very well. Uh, I mean, even in games where the team is going to get a ton of hits, that Stallings is still going to be able to uh, m- not produce, and he's just kind of there, uh, but he does provide some good defense and usually calls some good pitches uh, behind the plate if a pitcher's uh, kind of leaning on him and not 
the pitch calm. He usually has a it's just good defense, which you won't even see in the stat sheet. And, of course, he has a good relationship with Sandy. But Stallings goes one for three today. He had a single, but that was when there was a position player pitching in the game for the Blue Jays. And then he had a walk, which is encouraging. Stallings does not walk a ton. But batting average now at 168, again, a very bad season for Stallings. But it's whatever. The seventh inning is where most of the runs came for the Marlins, about half of them. Joey Wendell singled, John Burry singled to out to center, and of course, Luis Arise continuing his MVP star season. Uh, going back on with this game, do these big innings really affect the Miami Marlins in the way that we're going to see even later in the season towards the playoffs when the games are going to either be most likely more scoring and they're going to need to score more runs? Against better pitching. Sorry, Jake. What'd you say? I, I um, a family member came in the room. What was that question? Uh, so the Marlins ended up putting five runs up one inning. Are these big innings what they're going to need come playoff time when they are facing better pitchers, and will they be harder to come by facing better pitches pitchers? Well, I mean, you have to mention saying that that Jose Barrios is not a bad pitcher, a two-time All Star. He's one of the Blue Jays' kind of co aces, uh, with of course Kevin Gossman. And Barrios did not do good today. He gets the loss. He's now 7-5 and five on the season. And four innings pitch, he gave him eight hits, five earned runs. And, yeah, you mentioned the big innings for the Marlins. It wasn't a lot of spread out scoring. It was more just uh, three big innings where they scored more than one run and all three of them, three runs in the third, two runs in the fourth, and then five runs in the seventh, that huge seventh inning. But uh, I agree with what you said, Jake. I think that these big innings are going to be important for the Marlins because if they could get these big innings, especially in a playoff game or a late September game where everyone is really locked in, and your pitch, if your pitcher is pitching well and you get that big inning, you're pretty much in a very good position to win this game. And I love the threat of the big inning, of course, with the Marlins lineup because you have Luis Arise at the leadoff spot who is almost a guaranteed hit. Well, I wouldn't say guaranteed hit, but his batting average is at 400. That shows one that he – Every two. One almost every two, I would say. Yeah, I mean, his batting average is at 400. That shows itself that he gets a hit uh, four of every ten times that he comes to play, which people say that in baseball, if you can get a hit uh, three out of ten times or 30 out of 100 times, 300, that's considered good. But Luis Arise is redefining that. He's getting a hit four of every 10 times he comes to the play. I mean, it's just incredible. But then you get a Luis Arise, who's, like I said, almost a guaranteed uh, hit. You get him on base, and you got Soler. You got De La Cruz, Sanchez. That's an amazing top of the order. And then if you could get guys at the bottom of the order to produce, like Jonathan Davis, he's continued to produce. He had another hit today, his batting average at 258. I feel like that's what you would expect to see from Davis. It's a little bit better than what we expected, considering his career numbers when he came into Miami. You could get some production from Wendell. Birdie as well on the base paths, and even Jacob Amaya, who recently got called up. This lineup is dangerous, and I love the threat of the beginning. Bert, talk about John Birdie. He had three hits on four at-bats tonight, which is very good for uh, the Miami Marlins. And looking in with Brian De La Cruz and Jesus Sanchez, both of them were not showing up early in the season. Now they definitely are showing up, and they're showing up big, hitting 271 and 276 respectively. But talk about Jose Barrios, he gave up four runs in his last five starts before this game against the Marlins, where he gave up five and four innings, which is just not what you want to see. Talking about the pitching, though, Archie Bradley, newly signed, 
he gave up two hits and had two strikeouts and two innings of work. Is that something that the Marlins hope to see with more bullpen depth, especially in Archie Bradley, to help out that depth? Yeah, well, we saw him pitch in Seattle, and he was not looking good. He pitched, I think I tried, I don't think he made it two innings, but I think they tried to get him out for a second inning. I think he came out there twice, and uh, he did not look good. But today, facing a dead Blue Jays lineup, he allowed, yeah, like you mentioned, just two hits and two innings. He got two strikeouts and no earned runs, didn't walk any guys, so his control was there. I think Archie Bradley, I don't know how long he's going to last on this team, but I don't. I think he'll probably get DFA'd or, uh, yeah, he'll probably get DFA'd or sent down. I think he can get sent down because he has he's on that minor league deal that they signed him to. He'll probably get, uh, it, it, we'll see if he gets DFA'd or sent down, but once Matt Barnes comes back, who I heard he was playing catch according to the injury report, I think Bradley will likely get DFA'd or sent down unless someone else is on the injury list uh, by the time that Barnes is ready to get reinstated. But it's definitely nice to have Archie Bradley, who does have experience in the majors. Of course, a few years back when he was on the Diamondbacks, he had a triple in the wild card game. And uh, yeah, we'll see how Archie Bradley plays out with the Marlins, and maybe he could be another surprise for this bullpen because we've had a ton of surprises this year. Uh Brazovan, who, yes, he had that bad 10-game stretch, got sent down to the minors, recently got called back up. But he's been inconsistent. But when he's been good, he's been really good. And, of course, you have Tanner Scott. And then you have uh, the biggest surprise and probably the best pitcher out of our bullpen this year, Andrew Nardi, who's been amazing at being the cleanup man and not letting inherited runners score. But uh, I think the biggest takeaway from this game would be the bullpen, because we had the back end of our bullpen or middle relief pitching in this entire game. We had possible, uh, not a great starting pitcher going, Brian Hoeing, but he gives us four great innings of work with five strikeouts, gives up just three hits, and uh, no earned runs in four innings. It just really sets a good tone and leaves with a Marlins lead, even though he didn't get credit for the win because he only pitched four innings. And then you got Brazoban, Chargois, and uh, Bradley pitching. So these were not stud relievers or high leverage relievers pitching like Dylan Floro or AJ Puck or even a great starter like Sandy, Lazardo, Garrett, uh, Yuri. Those were those would be who I would consider great starters this season. But they were still able to get the job done, and that shows how deep this team is. Definitely very deep. If the playoffs started today, the Miami Marlins would be the the four seed. They would have. The San Francisco Giants in round number one. Hypothetically, if the playoffs start today, do you think the Marlins take care of business against the Giants in a three-game series? Well, we saw the Marlins play the Giants earlier this season when the Giants weren't really in their groove. And the Marlins did kind of beat up on them. They swept the series against the San Francisco Giants at home at Lone Depot Park and then from what I can remember, I'll double check because I wasn't ready for that question. They did not end up sweeping. They, lost, oh. uh, they, won, they won two out of three in the lost My game in extra innings. And then the other time they played the Giants, they lost two out of three. Okay, okay. So my bad. I thought they swept the series at home where they won two of three. But anyways, they, they did split the season series. So that does show that it will be a very close series. If they were play, to play the Giants in the, uh, in the wild card game or wild card series now, I guess – it's kind of uh, unrealistic for this to actually be a matchup because we'll really have to see if the Mets, the Phillies, the Padres, uh, and teams like those, uh, three teams who have been huge disappointments, can catch them. Or, of course, the Dodgers could be a possible wild card team for the Marlins to play in, 
in that first series of the playoffs. But I think the Marlins would uh, definitely have a chance to beat any team, including the Giants, in the wild card round. The Marlins have never lost a wild card game or series. They are undefeated. They they've never lost a game in the wild card because we have 1997 where it was only one game. They won it, of course. They won the World Series. Same situation with 2003. And then they swept the wild card series. They won the first two. It's uh, it's best of three. And they, they won it against the Cubs in 2020 during the COVID season. So they never lost a game in the wild card round in their franchise history. So looking at the National League East Division, the Atlanta Braves are sitting at the top of the division, 20 games above 546 and 26. Marlins are in second with 11 games above 500, only four and a half back from the Braves. The Phillies, who better disappointments, are getting back to their groove, four games above 508 games back. And an even bigger disappointment is the New York Mets, who are closer to the Washington Nationals than they are to the Atlanta Braves, 12 games back of the Braves, four back to get to 500. And if the Mets and Phillies become better teams, does that scare the Marlins' playoff hopes? And if so, do you see a world where the Marlins do not make the playoffs this season if they well, keep playing how they're playing? Well, I mean, if they keep playing the, the way that they are playing, they're, the Mets and the Phillies, they'd have to be – they'd have to pretty much go undefeated for the rest of the season, or maybe not like that, but you know what I mean. A kind of near that criteria of going undefeated for the rest of the season, which is just very unrealistic for them to get that hot. Uh, and then I would have to start right now. I, not maybe not for the Phillies, but for the Mets, they'd really have to go on a big tear, which the, the Mets are capable of doing that. But the Marlins keep playing this way. I think if they can keep playing like how they are playing during the last two weeks, they have a playoff spot this year. And I think their playoff odds are, are something around like 50% right now, according to fan graphs. I think that's pretty realistic. It's just a matter of if they can keep playing like this or if they slow down when their schedule gets tougher. And, I mean, the biggest uh, cipher of this is will uh, the Marlins beat the Phillies and the Mets come August and September? They need to win those series against the Phillies and the Mets. And you need to at least avoid the sweep when you're playing the Braves. We know the Braves own us, but you can't get swept by the Braves and get handed three losses in three days or four losses in four days if – they do end up playing the Braves in a four-game series. Not sure about the schedule late in the season. But, yeah, you get what I mean. Uh, for a couple questions towards the end of the first half and the end of the second half. We'll start with the first half. The Marlins, after the Blue Jays series, have five series to go. Four against Pittsburgh, three against Boston, three against Atlanta, th- four against St. Louis, and three against Philadelphia. Uh, that is a total of about 19 games plus the Blue Jays, 21 games left in the, in the first half of the season. If the Marlins go under 500 in those games, do you see them dropping in the division? Or if you see them going at a 15-6 or a 16-5 type record, do you see them a game, a game and a half, two games back of the Atlanta Braves to start the second half of the season? Well, I, a lot of people were saying that over this 20-game stretch, uh, this morning on Twitter, most people were saying that over this 20-game stretch, the Marlins are going to go around 500. I, I saw some 11 and 9s. I saw some 9-11s. I saw some 9 and 11s, and I saw some 10 and 10s. So I honestly still think it's realistic for the Marlins to go right around 500, maybe a game or two above during the stretch until the All-Star game 
comes around. But I guess we'll just have to wait and see uh, what what ends up happening. Uh, but after this blowout win against the Blue Jays, their first real blowout win, I think it's the first time this season that they've had to face a position player when they're winning like this, 11 nothing, And it's very encouraging to see this. And now it kind of guarantees, I wouldn't say guarantees, but I think the most likely game for them to lose, if they were going to lose a game in this series, would have been tonight. And now that they haven't lost it, they have Yuri pitching tomorrow, who's been fabulous, a 1.80 ERA. And then they have um, Alcantara, who's still capable of turning it on uh, for at least a game and returning to his 2022 Cy Young form. Hopefully he does that for the entire second half. Well, let's just hope for one game. So uh, I think it's definitely likely that the Marlins could sweep the series against the Blue Jays and then set themselves up in a really good position against some really tough teams down the stretch heading into the All-Star break. And then they'll play the Pirates this weekend in Miami for four games before going on another road trip, which will start in Boston. Before I touch on the second half of the season, the end of the second half for the Marlins, I just want to touch on Sandy Alcantara, who had one of the best seasons pitching-wise in LB history last year, was incredible. But now this year has a 5 ERA, is 2-5 and five on the season, and Gay has given up uh, just above 20 runs in his last five starts. So, come playoff time, if Sandy Alcantara is still pitching like this, do the Marlins have a problem getting to the later rounds of the postseason? Well, uh, first of all, I think come playoff time, I know we've been saying this, that Sandy Alcantara will eventually uh, turn it on and return to his form from 2022 sooner than later. It hasn't happened yet at least consistently. We've seen, again, many flashes of it. But I think Sandy Alcantara may have to find a little bit of a new way to pitch. Now, it's not trying to blow it by hitters, but uh, I saw an article that Sandy, from according to The Athletics, Sandy Alcantara is one of the five most effective uh, pitchers this season from the bands of the shift and the shift restrictions because Sandy pitches with so much ground ball, weak contact, that some of these are now getting through the infield more because they can't shift to these pull hitters or uh, they can't shift whatever way they want. They, they can't, they have to have two guys on each side of the diamond on each side of second base. So it's harder for Sandy who really pitches to a ton of ground ball contact and that's hurt him the most. And uh, I also think maybe the pickoff restrictions could be another problem for Sandy just to try and get it in his head because Sandy is known to be a guy who has a slower windup so more guys can steal on him. And now that you have the limit of pickoff attempts, if Sandy can't really have the freedom of trying to pick guys off, and guys are going to continue to run on him, and that's got to be a distraction for Sandy. But I think he's going to, again, sooner than later, come playoff time, I think he will adapt. I think he will change. It's a matter of time until we see if he can actually return to his 2022 Cy Young form because uh, he was just so dominant, and I don't think he will, at least this season. He won't be as dominant, but he could be a very high-quality pitcher and, of course, go deep into games in the playoffs. And, you know, he's capable of really turning it on and having a complete game shutout in the playoffs. You're just going to have to hope that by then, Sandy is good enough to be able to give you that because 
we, we've seen flashes of it. We definitely have. Looking at the final 25 games of the season for Miami, they have three games uh, against the Dodgers at home, three against the Phillies on the road before they go to Milwaukee for four on the road. Then they have three against Atlanta at home, three against the New York Mets at home, three against the Milwaukee Brewers at home, and they finish the season with three at the Mets and three at Pittsburgh. In my mind, that's the hardest 25 games for any team in baseball left once that happens. If this team does not shape like they have been playing currently and they fall off, does this really affect the Marlins with the final 25 games of the season? Yeah, I mean, they're already preparing themselves for this stretch, and I think it's a lot about the mentality, the leaders in the locker room, especially one guy I'd like to mention, who is Yuli Gurriel, who's played on some Astros World Series winning teams, teams that went to the World Series that fell short, like the uh, when they fell short to the Braves in 2021 and to the Nationals in 2019, two NL East teams, by the way, and now he's on an NL East team, which is pretty interesting, uh, even though the Marlins did not defeat the Astros in the World Series in the previous few years, nor did they come close to. But uh, Yuli Gurriel has the experience around winning teams and so does Gene Segura who just played in the World Series last year and he had some clutch hits in the playoffs with the Phillies and although Gene hasn't been delivering he's definitely helped with the attitude in the clubhouse at least that's what I've heard from some Marlins experts and again Gene and Yuli they're gonna need to be the veterans that lead this team in the clubhouse uh throughout stretch during this tough part of the schedule and into the playoffs if they can get there Again, I'm not trying to jinx anything. I'm not trying to get my hopes up. But if they get to the playoffs, I think Gene Segura and Yuli Gurriel are going to have to get some credit for playing that part, no matter how good they play on the field, as we are going to get ready to wrap it up here on a Monday night edition of the Marlins HQ podcast. So the Marlins, just recapping what we talked about, we talked about the Marlins' huge victory against the Blue Jays. We talked about some pitching for the Marlins, some big innings for the Marlins. We've talked about the beginning and end of the each half of the season for the Miami Marlins. And I think we've covered lots of big news about the Marlins. Thank you all so much for watching and listening. And we hope to see you guys on the next edition, episode nine of the Marlins HQ podcast. Thank you all so much for watching and we'll see you guys later. Let's go Marlins. Let's go Marlins.